Welcome to a very special Valentine's Day edition of the Geek Explained podcast. We're doing something a little different this week, and I'm going to be completely transparent with you, pulling the curtains back a little bit. This was not the plan. Originally, the topic that we'll be talking about in this very special Geek Explained extra was originally going to be for this Wednesday's podcast, but after the weekend and the events of the weekend, um, I changed things up. I blew up the entire uh, schedule for this week, so I'm doing something brand new. Very excited to talk about it. I'll get into it a little bit more at the end of this, but... Since we are already here, and since it is Valentine's Day, I wanted to talk about something that has been very near and dear to my heart for a long time, and it's something that not a whole lot of people talk about, and that is uh, Wolverine's love life. (laughs) Uh, Wolverine has been a character that I have been enamored with for a very long time, and as he is getting a brand new series going on right now, a little mini series pumping the brakes on his Wolverine solo series before we dive into Destiny of X with X lives and X deaths of Wolverine, I thought maybe we should be talking about, since it's the season of love, the X wives of Wolverine. So, uh, quick disclaimer they are not all married to Wolverine. <laughs> I just thought it was it was a cool name, the ex-wives of Wolverine, like it's it, ex-lives, you get it. But since we are talking about the season of love, since we are talking about Wolverine, who is getting a lot of love over the last couple of years and might be getting more love as we go along here, I thought it'd be cool to just kind of go through his romantic history and talk about the 10 women that I think are representative of his romantic history. I'm going to be talking about each of these individuals kind of in the order of where I stack them up when it comes to their romantic relationship with Wolverine, um, how how well they work together. And so I've got a little uh, blurb for each one of them, who they're created by, first appearance, their history with Wolverine, and then I am going to list whether they're dead or not because... (laughs) As with most uh, comic book heroes with an extended uh, romantic history, lots of people have died by being close or romantically linked to Wolverine. So uh, we'll be talking about it all uh, with each of these entries, and I'll also be giving you further reading for each of these entries if you want to learn more about the character and kind of read their relationship with Wolverine. So without further ado, let's dive in to the 10 or the ex-wives of Wolverine, starting off with number 10, again, kind of going from my least favorite all the way to my favorite, we have Rose O'Hara at the number 10 spot. Uh, She was created by Paul Jenkins, Bill Jemis, Joe Quesada, and Andy Kubert. Her first appearance was in Wolverine Origin number one way back 
in 2001. 20 years ago. Over 20 years ago this character has been around. Uh, and this character, Rose O'Hara, is the original redhead. When we're talking about continuity, when we're talking about retcons, when we're talking about the through line for the Marvel Universe and for Wolverine's history, Rose O'Hara was his first love. She was the girl who he grew up with way back when he was known as James Howlett, living up in Canada. And the two of them were very close childhood friends, along with the son of the groundskeeper, Dog Logan. I, You name your kid Dog, and you, you know what happens. Um, the thing about Rose is that she was never really a character who had a whole lot of agency, she never has, across the Wolverine Origin series, she doesn't really have a whole lot of what I would call, what's the technical term, uh, character. <laughs> She's basically set up to be Logan's, um, to essentially be Logan's reason for going off into the world after uh, Logan's, or I guess James's um, mutant abilities manifest and he kills uh, dog Logan's father, who might actually also be his father. It's unclear, though heavily implied. Uh, she takes his hand, and they run off into the Canadian wilderness, and they go on the run for quite a few years. They grow up together. Uh, it is said multiple times that Rose was Logan's first love, and in that, she's also his first tragedy. Um, after they end up settling down in this logging town, Rose ends up becoming romantically involved with a Scott Summers type, and this would be, unbeknownst to Wolverine, a theme with him. Uh, the son of, again, son of the man who he killed came to town, killed Rose, and... Then we got a whole bunch of nonsense. Uh, the Wolverine Origins story is good and really, really good in parts, not so great in other parts. Uh, Rose again is basically set up to be Logan's first tragedy, supposed to be his first redhead love. That being said, the reason she's so far down, even though she is his first love, they were never truly romantic with each other. She was basically his best friend. He was in love with her. She didn't really see him that way, which kind of, again, set him up for failure as time would go on with uh, other redheads in his life, more on that later. And she ultimately ends up being forgotten by him for a very large portion of his comic book history. Uh, as you could probably tell, is she dead? Yes! In fact, she is. Uh, again, she was really just kind of set up as a plot device for Logan's development, which sucks, but... She did deserve her uh, her spot on this list because of her status in his love life. And if you want to read more about her, you can check out the Wolverine Origins series. Like I said, it was groundbreaking at the time because this character had been around for decades and we never had a backstory for him. And to get a definitive origin story for the Wolverine was really cool. However, again... There's stuff that doesn't really um, amount to a whole lot, you know, Rose, the Howlett uh, line, and there's stuff that was brought back that didn't really make sense, like Dog Logan. Uh, the rumor was that was supposed to end up being Sabretooth, but eventually they were revealed as two separate characters. It's a whole thing. It's confusing, but 
what about Wolverine isn't? So <laughs> that is the uh, the number 10 spot. At number 9, we have Itsu. Uh, she was created by Daniel Way and Javier Saltares and made her first appearance in Wolverine number 40. Wolverine volume 3, to be specific. Number 40 in 2006. Now, Itsu is really interesting. And the reason that I have her above Rose is that she actually has a lasting legacy when it comes to Wolverine. Now, Itsu might not be a name that you're familiar with, uh, even if you are fairly, you know, familiar with Wolverine in the comics, but Itsu was Wolverine's lover in a post-World War II uh, Japan. Uh, It was Wolverine's first journey to that area, and he was seeking enlightenment. He was seeking uh, peace after having fought through a war, getting in touch with his more animalistic self. He eventually met Itsu, and they fell in love, and Itsu soon became pregnant with Logan's child. However... An incident happened within the town where he was basically spooked like like a like a dog at you know a Fourth of July party. He was spooked by an explosion, extended his claws, and stabbed somebody by accident. So the entire town ran him out of there, banished him from the town, and when Logan returned to the uh the home that he and Itsu had built together to pack up their stuff and, you know, get on the road, he found that Itsu had been killed and standing over her body, the Winter Soldier. That's right, Bucky Barnes facing off with Logan uh, in one of Bucky's earliest, uh, you know, missions as uh, the Winter Soldier. The two fought. Bucky was at this point being loaned out from the KGB to Romulus. And I don't want to talk about Romulus because he sucks. Romulus is an awful character, but. Under the orders of Romulus, Winter Soldier was sent in to kill Itsu and did so. And that was apparently the story when it came to Itsu. Uh, Logan and Winter Soldier bowed to a standstill. Winter Soldier escaped. Logan moved on with his life, not knowing that after being murdered, the unborn child of his and Itsu's was extracted from Itsu's body and raised under the knowledge of Logan killing his mother because, of course, he was raised by Romulus. And this character named Akihiro was eventually given the name Daken. And Daken was a whole character unto himself. Daken's a really interesting character. Um, He has been misused a lot, but thankfully, not since the Krakoa era started. So go check out his stories. He's fantastic. Um, And not just, you know... Itsu's legacy wasn't just with Dokken, it was also with the Muramasa Blade, the one weapon that can cut through antimantium like a knife through butter. The Muramasa Blade was created following the uh, death of Itsu, Logan having lost all hope, returning to the uh, swordsmith uh, Muramasa binding part of his soul in his grief to this sword to be given something that could kill him. So, Obviously, she's had a much longer-lasting legacy than uh, than Rose has. She doesn't have a whole lot of appearances, but the fact that she influenced not only Logan's choice to create a weapon to kill himself with, but also led to the birth of Daken, who is one of Logan's most interesting rogues, uh, I think makes her an obvious pick to be on the list. Uh, is she dead? Yes. Yes, she absolutely is. Uh, and if you want to learn 
more about her if you want to read more about her relationship with Logan and how her um, her lasting impact on the character is uh, carried out in further stories. You can read Wolverine Origins Son of X. You can read Dokken Dark Wolverine. He had a whole series during the uh, Dark Reign period of Marvel. And you can also read Uncanny X-Force because I will never stop recommending Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force. Uh, the back... I want to say like quarter of the Uncanny X-Force run does involve what was supposed to be the final confrontation between Wolverine and Dokken, and it is emotionally brutal. So I would recommend it for sure. Now, to the number eight spot, we have someone who you might be familiar with if you are a reader of Wolverine comics, and that is Maureen Bouchard. Uh, she was created by Mark Millar and Steve McNiven. Her first appearance was in Wolverine, Volume 3, number 68, or no, sorry, number 66, can't read my handwriting, way back in 2008, and Maureen was Wolverine's home on the range. She was created for the old man Logan's story, and in this story, big old dust up between the heroes and the villains in the Marvel Universe, all the villains uniting to wipe out the heroes, um, Wolverine, after being manipulated to slaughter the rest of the X-Men, uh, retired, tried to, uh, off himself, was unsuccessful, and then promised himself he would never pop his claws ever again. And so when we catch up with the, uh, old man Logan, or the Wastelands timeline, um, Logan and Maureen are happily married, two kids living on this farm in the middle of the Badlands, in the middle of the Hulk-owned territory where they are paying rent to, or protection, I guess, to the Hulk's dimwit hillbilly uh, offspring. And unfortunately, her story is fairly short on the page because she is basically there in the first, I believe, issue or two. And then by the time that Wolverine returns to his home to save them, they are already dead. His wife, his two kids, they are dead. And so he goes on a rampage, kills the Hulk, kills all the other Hulks, takes the baby Hulk, and heads off into the wastelands. And it's sad, because you do get glimpses of the two of them together. And that's why, thankfully, Maureen was brought back for the Lemire Old Man Logan run with Andrea Sorrentino, and we were finally given a backstory for this character, how they met in the Badlands. And this is one of the things, because people, you know, People love to talk about that old man's Logan story, but so many people overlook the Lemire and Sorrentino run post-Secret Wars, where old man Logan was stranded in the 616, and I adore that run. I think it is so good. It gets a little, it gets less good after Ed Brisson takes the helm, but it kind of picks back up again with Dead Man Logan, and... What happens with this story is that we get to see them meet. We get to see uh, Logan wandering into the settlement of Maureen's, the two of them falling in love, the two of them traveling, going to Japan, their life together, and then ultimately the two of them choosing to settle down. And it just gave us so much more investment in Maureen as a character. And when the character of Maureen popped up in the 616, it just made it made that matter. It made her character matter. And we'll get more into her in a second. But 
she ultimately is one of the few people who did marry Wolverine, and so she has to be on the list. And with her, uh, with her revival and backstory in the Lumiere run, it's it's an easy no brainer to put her on this list. But is Maureen dead? Yes, yes, she is. She was killed, and unfortunately, this led to uh, the Old Man Logan story taking the darkest turn, surprisingly, in a story of very dark turns. And if you want to read more about her, you can read, of course, the Old Man Logan series from 2008 and the Old Man Logan series from 2016. On to number seven, we have Yukio. Yukio was created by Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. And her first appearance was in Wolverine number two, way back in 1982. That was 40 years ago. Yukio is a 40-year-old character. Can you believe that? Uh, Yukio was the very first femme fatale for Wolverine in the in the comics. And what's fascinating to me about Yukio as a character is that she is kind of this person who is linked to Wolverine and Wolverine-adjacent characters, but she's never really been considered a love interest. And I'm using heavy quotations here. Uh, Yukio popped up during that Wolverine in Japan uh, miniseries that he got during the uh, Yoshida clan versus Wolverine feud. Uh, she was sent in to help Wolverine, essentially though it didn't start off that way. And the two of them helped to bring down uh, the clan Yoshida and institute a whole new status quo for them. Following this, she became a longtime ally of Wolverine's, popping up here and there, but also ended up developing a very close friendship with Storm. There are, let's just say, um, there are varying opinions on how intimate this friendship with Aurora is but either way the two of them form a very close bond together and they are there for each other constantly and it made Yukio as a character really interesting in the fact that she would not just be you know a one-off side character you know for Wolverine to physically dominate and the two of them their relationship has mostly been purely physical of in that nature but they have remained friends, they've remained allies, and she has continued to um, continued to care for Storm as well as Wolverine. And though the two of them are uh, are more or less just friends and they don't really have any kind of uh, romantic feelings towards each other, um, the thing about... Yukio that I will always go back to is the uh, is the adoption of Amiko. Now Amiko is a character that we don't really uh, we don't really talk about we don't really hear about because she doesn't make a whole lot of appearances. But Amiko was this woman that or Amiko was this child that Wolverine and Mariko essentially fostered uh she was living with uh mariko during her reign over the clan yashida and following mariko's death spoilers um wolverine entrusted amiko into yukio's care so yukio took this on has loved this child as her own and so the two of them have been you know a whole deal because of her relationship with Wolverine so I really appreciate that I think they're great together as friends as allies as kick butt partners and she's not dead 
Is she dead? No, she is definitely not. Yukio's still kicking. She's still running around, piling around with both Logan and Storm. And if you want to read more about her, you can read the original Wolverine 1982 miniseries. It's four issues, issues one through four. You can read the Wolverine Back in Japan series, as well as Storm, number, uh, Storm Volume 3, uh, numbers four through six. Heading on over to... Number six, we have Tiger Tiger. And I know you're thinking, who? Uh, Jason Hon uh, was created by, I know I said that incorrectly and I apologize, uh, was created by Chris Claremont and Mark Silvestri and made her first appearance in Uncanny X-Men number 229 way back in 1988. And Tiger Tiger, straight up, she's a boss bitch. That's just who she is. Um... Tiger Tiger was the daughter of a fairly rich and powerful uh, family until she was kidnapped and brainwashed by the Reavers because the Reavers are awful people. However, following a following a rescue by the X-Men as well as Wolverine, she ended up growing into a woman who would become the head of Madripoor. Tiger Tiger ended up essentially ruling over Madripoor very much in the same way as the power broker in the uh, in the MCU version of Madripoor. But what I really enjoy about Tiger Tiger is that the relationship that uh, she built with Logan wasn't really during his superhero days. It was while he was under the guise of Patch. Their relationship built over the course of Patch's misadventures in Madripoor, and the two of them grew very close together, and she... You know, has had multiple stories with Wolverine where he's basically called in to help uh, solidify her power, to take out rivals, to keep the peace in Madripoor. And ultimately, the two of them end up becoming really good friends and allies as well as occasional lovers. And because of the fact that they're only occasional lovers, is she dead? No, she is still kicking. She is still running the show over in Madripoor. Tiger Tiger rules. She's awesome. And she's also popped up in non-Wolverine stories too. Anytime someone comes near Madripoor or deals with any kind of um, illegal trade in that you know region of the world, Tiger Tiger's usually bound to show up. And so, uh, if you want to read more about her, you can read uh, Marvel Comics Presents, uh, issues 1 through 10, as well as issues 85 through 92. You can also read Wolverine Volume 2, issues 4 through 8, for more of her adventures with Wolverine. So, Tiger Tiger's great, and we're starting to move past the dead characters into the alive characters, which is fun. We had two dead in a row, two alive in a row. Where are we at next? Well, at number five, we have Silver Fox. Silver Fox was created by Chris Claremont and John Buscema and made her first appearance in Wolverine Volume 2, number 10. Now, Silver Fox will always be uh, known to Wolverine and really just X-Men fans in general as the Mark of the Beast. She was a Blackfoot Native American who encountered Logan while he was a stranger on her reservation. She He was brought into her tribe. The two of them ended up falling in love and moved into the wilderness to make a life together. However, as their uh, happiness was not to last, Sabretooth showed up. Sabretooth showed up on Logan's birthday and assaulted Silver Fox and murdered her. 
Um, this was a, I, it might have been the first in a string of attacks by Sabretooth on uh, Logan's birthday. He's made it a very weird tradition to always try and murder Wolverine on his birthday every single year. And if this was just the story, if he was just, you know, that's it. It's all she is. She gets fridged. We move on. She would be much further down on the list. However, the fact that she's on here is largely due to the fact that she came back. Maybe. In a later story where the Weapon X group that included Wolverine, Sabretooth, and others uh, were all brought back together under mysterious circumstances, who would show up? But Silver Fox, somehow not just a member of Wolverine's past, but a member of Weapon X as well. A member of Team X specifically, the strike force that Wolverine and Sabretooth were a part of while under the Weapon X program. Now, it is very ambiguous on to how much of this is true and how much of this isn't. Because as we come to find out, the team was brought back together under duress and implanted with false memories many of which uh wolverine attributed to his past and there are false memories there where maybe she didn't die maybe the two of them were never together maybe this was a whole big hoax however ultimately when she is killed by Sabretooth once again at the conclusion of this Weapon X arc, it is revealed that the memories that everyone had of her being in Team X were also false. So it is very possible that the Silver Fox that we may, that we meet in the Weapon X arc and the Silver Fox that was a part of Wolverine's romantic past were two very separate people. It's never confirmed. It's never been officially said yes or no either way, but the question is out there. The evidence is out there. So there's not a whole lot that we can, um, definitively say when it comes to that relationship, but I do think it's worth talking about. She has made her appearance in different, uh, tie-ins different adaptations she was in uh x-men origins wolverine so though that's not an incredibly high benchmark uh it's very interesting to see her have such a staying power even though she really doesn't have that many stories to her name but it is a death that haunts wolverine to this day and continues to haunt him every single time his birthday rolls around but is she dead yes twice over in fact but if you want to read about her adventures, you can read the Wolverine Origins series, as well as Wolverine Volume 2, uh, issues number 62 through 64. That's the Weapon X arc where she comes back and gets killed again. Heading off to number four, a surprising entry on this list that I think you might be uh, surprised to see on here. It's Mystique. Mystique nabs the number four spot. She was created by Chris Claremont and Jim Mooney and made her first appearance in Ms. Marvel number 18 way back in 1978. And Mystique, if any of these characters are, might just be the perfect match for Wolverine. The two of them, who have very different backstories, very different lifestyles, but the same amount of longevity, first met each other way back, almost a hundred years, over a hundred years ago now, in 1921, way down in the pits of a firing squad. The two of them were about to be executed, Wolverine for stealing a horse and Mystique for being blue. 
However, the pair were able to escape custody and had a little bit of a thing for a while as they made their way to civilization. The two of them uh, becoming, you know, short-time lovers before a botched robbery ended up with Mystique betraying him. It was her first big betrayal in a long list of many, many, many. However, this betrayal has stuck with Wolverine regardless of whether he remembered it or not. And since then, they have had a running rivalry for a very, 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 very long time. Anytime Mystique pops up, whether it's leading her own Brotherhood of Mutants or as a supporting player in another villain's plot, you can best believe Wolverine is there to try and take her out. And this came to a head during the Get Mystique arc of Wolverine's story where he was tasked with hunting her down for trying to essentially kill Hope Summers, the little baby, the little baby that came out of uh, Second Coming and Mutant Messiah. And I won't spoil that story because it's a great story that you should check out. However, Following the conclusion of that story, later on, Wolverine was dragged to hell, his soul being forced to suffer in the pits of the underworld. And as we came to find out, Mystique had a hand in sending him there, having been just wronged by Wolverine at every turn for decades and finally wanting to get some comeuppance on the the Canadian mutant, she ended up helping the other, you know, the other parties involved to send Wolverine to hell and was unapologetic about it when Wolverine eventually did return. Uh, Later on, they clashed once again as her new team of Brotherhood of Evil Mutants clashed with Logan's uncanny X-Force. And following the conclusion of that, Wolverine died. Not at the end of that story, obviously, but... Following this, other stuff happened, and Wolverine died. Once and for all, he never came back. Wink, wink, nudge. And this led into the Wolverines series, where some mysterious uh, figure was trying to steal the secrets of Wolverine's adamantium as well as his longevity. And so Mystique was teamed up with a group of characters like Dokken, Sabretooth, and others to hunt them down and figure out what's going on. This, this book is really interesting because it dove a little bit further into her relationship with Wolverine, her thoughts on the man, the impact they had on each other, and I thought it was really, really interesting. This all culminated and really since then hasn't gotten any more uh, effective than we saw at the beginning of the Krakoa era in House of X, Powers of Ten, where both of them were members of the suicide run to the Mother Mold that we saw in, I believe it was uh, House of X number four. I'm going to say number four. And it's it's my favorite issue of the entire thing. And I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it's number four. I'm going to put my hat on it's number four. I'm not going to check. And so really since then, they've kind of kept each other at arm's length. They don't really run across each other. Anytime Mystique is involved in something, it's been more closer to Quiet Council stuff. Wolverine's had his own issues. So for now, it seems like the rivalry is over. But, you know, love and hate 
are a very thin line and both of them last forever. So is Mystique dead? Yes and no. <laughs> Mystique has died multiple times, including during that suicide run, but she's currently alive and kicking and hunting down Moira X in the pages of Death of uh, X Deaths of Wolverine. See? It's like a circle. It rhymes. It is a whole thing. I think about this, y'all. I think about the stuff I put in this podcast. Uh, if you want to learn more about this character, if you want to read more about her, specifically her stories with Logan, I'd recommend the Get Mystique series. I'd recommend the Wolverines, plural, series. And of course, Uncanny X-Force. Read it. It's amazing. Read that book. It's great. Moving on, though, to the number three spot. Number three is, of course, Jean Grey. Jean Grey, not at number one or two. What are you doing, you say? And I say, just hold on a minute, man. There's still time to go. You see that there's still time to go. We got this. So, Jean Grey was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and made her first appearance in X-Men number one way back in 1963. And Jean Grey for Logan, much like Charlie Brown, is that little red-haired girl. Jean Grey has been a pretty prominent fixture in Wolverine's life for a very long time, and the two of them have always brushed up against each other, both figuratively and literally, Uh, but they've never, ever really, like, committed to a relationship because, of course, the best X-Man, Scott Summers, has usually been in the way. This, coupled with Wolverine's, let's just say, complicated romantic history, make the pairing one of those things that's too good to actually happen. Now, of course, the main sticking point, the main you know bulk of their relationship is this love triangle with the two of them and Scott Summers. Though the times that they have been able to get together, it's always been star-crossed. The first time that they really got to have a moment was during the Extinction Agenda, where they both kind of gave in to their feelings for each other before remembering that no... There is a tomorrow, and we will see ourselves out of this. And, oh yeah, she's still with Scott. Ugh. Yikes. Uh, The next time that we really got to see this was during New X-Men. Grant Morrison's amazing New X-Men run, where at the end of... Jean Grey's story in that run, uh, the phoenix was overtaking her, and she was basically about to explode and asked Wolverine to kill her after the two of them had professed their love for each other, though understanding that now wasn't the time, at the same time that Scott was having a psychic affair with Emma. So there was a psychic affair with Emma and Scott, there's a physical affair with Jean and Logan, there's no right answers here, no one's in the right, but ultimately Wolverine did end Jean's life for what we all thought was the last time. Um, However, following this, Jean Grey did stay dead for a very long time. The next time that Wolverine would get a chance with a Jean Grey was during the Uncanny X-Force run, where uh, he encountered the Age of Apocalypse Jean Grey, who in this reality had been with her version of Logan for years, if not, you know, longer. And so they had a brief moment together because, you know, Love exists across all realities. However, with the two of them needing to return to their own realities, it was never meant to be. The last big, I think, honestly, the most important legacy that Jean Grey left on Logan was 
following the schism event where we had the Scott Summers led faction of mutants in Utopia and the Wolverine led faction of mutants back in New York, back in Westchester. Um, Wolverine rebuilt Xavier's school for gifted youngsters and renamed it the Jean Grey school. So I always loved that. I thought that was amazing. I wish that I kind of wish Jean had stayed dead because that was a big deal. However, she did not stay dead. Uh, she was brought back during the uh, Jean Grey Phoenix Resurgence Reborn Refired Remix series that we got. And then, of course, in the Krakoa era, death is more or less just a uh, just a brief pause for the Krakoan mutants. However, the Krakoa era distinctly and forever changed the relationship that she had with Wolverine and Scott because as of the Krakoa era, it sure seems like these crazy kids are doing a little bit of a polygamous relationship. Uh, the polygamy is heavily implied, though never ever stated ever once. Um, there are many moments that show all three characters being intimate with each other, and you know what? When you've got multiple lives and an island to protect, who cares about love triangles and rivalries? Let's just, let's just put it aside, because we're all hot. We're all attractive. Let's just live our lives. But, that is where the relationship currently stands. Uh, this weird thruple thing they've got going on, which might include other people, who knows. Um, it is a very different dynamic, and I wish we would get more time to explore it. But I'm sure that is all on the way, because the Krakoa era is here to stay for now. But the big question, is Jean Grey dead? Yes. And no. And yes... And no, yes again, and currently she's not. Currently, as I am reporting, reading this to you, right? oh, nope, she died again. Okay, and now she's alive. So we are hopscotching back and forth. Jean Grey has died more times than Superman, and that is saying something. Um, he's a very... It's a very interesting relationship, but if you want to read more about their uh, star-crossed love, uh, you can read the Dark Phoenix Saga, which I think was kind of the first big time that they really did uh, explore the feelings they had for each other. Uh, Extinction Agenda, I would also recommend. Uh, New X-Men, incredible, iconic, groundbreaking. Uncanny X-Force, just Uncanny X-Force, just read it. It's good. It's good. Uh, and also, of course, Hoxpox and the current Wolverine solo run. Moving on. Moving on to uh, our number two spot, our top two. We have at number two, Mariko Yoshida. She was created by Chris Claremont and John Byrne and made her first appearance in X-Men number 118 way back in 1978. And Mariko Yoshida's big legacy for Logan is that she is the iconic tragedy in Wolverine's life. We've seen many, many, many people close to Wolverine live and die. However... The one that usually gets called back to and the one that had the most lasting impact, with the exception of, you know, children like Daken, uh, was Mariko Yoshida's death. Uh, her death shook Logan to his core and affects him to this day. But it was not, you know, it wasn't all, you know, 
sunshines and rainbows before her death either. Um, Wolverine encountered Mariko during his first, or I guess technically his second, that he could rem- his first that he could remember stint in Japan, where she was the bride to be, the crown jewel of the uh, Yoshida clan, and was promised to be uh, married off to a man named Hideki. Now, Wolverine and Hideki clashed during the uh, Wolverine in Japan miniseries. The two of them also essentially fighting over Mariko because Mariko was immediately smitten with Wolverine. And the two of them eventually became romantic. And after the death of Hideki and the crumpling of the uh, infrastructure for the clan Yoshida, Mariko was poised to wed Wolverine. However, following the collapse of the crime families in Japan, ultimately, as the wedding was upon us, she decided to end the nuptials before they could even get married because she decided to take her place as the head of Clan Yoshida. Mariko took on the role her father previously held to try and bring stability to the criminal underworld in Japan. And she stated to Logan that as long as the two of them had responsibilities, hers to organized crime and his to the X-Men and to mutants as a whole, they could never truly be together. Now, this kicked off a whole period of time where it was essentially Mariko Yoshida versus the world. Uh, She was trying to rebuild her family's power in the criminal underworld while also trying to keep all the other families that were uh, under her in check. And Ultimately, this ended up being her undoing, because when Wolverine returned to Japan, Mariko was poisoned by a rival, and instead of one, uh, instead of letting the poison slowly kill her, Mariko asked for Wolverine to end her life and, merc- and essentially mercy kill her so that she wouldn't have to suffer, and Wolverine, being in love with this woman, did. And that was the end of the story for a while, until... Wolverine got dragged to hell, where he had a really just heartbreaking reunion with Mariko, uh, not expecting to see her there. However, Mariko earned her place in hell with all of the incredibly shady dealings she did as part of the clan Yoshida, and ultimately, when Wolverine was granted passage back to the Living Plane, Mariko told him to go on without her because she needed to pay for her crimes and so the two of them had a tearful goodbye and wolverine returned to the land of the living but this wasn't the last time they saw each other because she returned once again in the old man logan series mariko yoshida was resurrected by gorgon who at the time was still maybe part of hydra kind of a Nazi, it's, you know, it's unclear. But Gorgon resurrected Mariko Yoshida as the Scarlet Samurai, his main enforcer, as he made a power play to try and take over the criminal underworld. And during the battle for essentially uh, Mariko's soul, she finally came to her senses after being brainwashed, helped Logan to defeat uh, Gorgon, and ultimately had a nice little reunion with this old man version of her former lover. And 
Old Man Logan, because he knew he was dying, tasked her with a with the protection of one young Maureen Bouchard. The Maureen Bouchard of the 616 was just a little girl when Old Man Logan meets her in this series, and he makes Mariko promise that she lives a... that she protects Maureen, that Maureen lives a long life, and that she never crosses paths with Logan. And so uh, the two of them parted ways here, uh, Mariko to continue to find herself and continue to protect Maureen while Old Man Logan returned to his time to die. So that's pretty much it. And for the big question, is Mariko dead? No, surprisingly, she's not dead. She was killed. She was in hell. She came back. She was brainwashed. And now she's running around kicking ass. I, for one want Mariko to team up with Electra. I think that would be dope. So uh, she is still around. She's doing her thing. If you want to read more about Mariko, you can check her out in Wolverine issues one through four in 1982. That's the Wolverine goes to Japan for the first time. You can check out Wolverine volume two issues 55 through 57. That's when he returns and Mariko dies the first time. Uh, and then we go to uh, Wolverine Goes to Hell. That's when he makes the reunion with Mariko. And then finally, the Old Man Logan and Dead Man Logan series where uh, Mariko returns as the Scarlet Samurai. But that brings us to our number one. And if you have been following along, you've been ticking boxes with the people who should be on this list, you know there's only one person that should be at the number one spot. You can fight me all you want on this, but number one is Aurora Monroe. Storm, baby! Now, Aurora Monroe was created by Len Wein and Dave Cockrum and made her first appearance in Giant Size X-Men number one, way back in 1975. And Storm, in every sense of the word, is a goddess. Uh, Storm made her debut as a part of the next crop of X-Men alongside Wolverine in the bid to venture to Krakoa to rescue Scott's teammates from the first class. And since then, they have been career companions. The two of them are most likely present in every single X-Men story that the other is a part of. They went from the giant size X-Men all the way through the... Uh, Claremont era, they went through the X-Men Gold, X-Men Blue era, they have been fairly inseparable the entire time, you know, finding comfort in each other and the fact that they are so different and they balance each other out. Um, the two of them have admitted to having an on-again, off-again physical flirtation and lovership. Uh, the two of them hooking up, as admitted to by them, multiple times over the years, and it's a very healthy you know, adult romantic relationship. However, this all changed when Aurora became romantically entangled with and eventually married T'Challa, the king of Wakanda and the Black Panther. And this created tension, but not between Aurora and Wolverine, between T'Challa and Wolverine, because T'Challa could tell that Aurora was still super into Logan, and the two of them would always butt heads anytime they were in a story together. And the relationship hit a little bit of a hitch when during the schism event, uh, Cyclops and Wolverine took two separate factions of mutants in two opposite directions, Scott going to Utopia and Logan back to Westchester to 
or Westminster, Westchester, to build the Jean Grey School, Aurora left with Logan to help him build this school and be a part of its faculty. Now, during following this, uh, the Avengers vs. X-Men event happened, and in that, T'Challa and Aurora found themselves on opposite sides, which ended up in their divorce. And during this proceeding, during the uh, time where they were officially getting divorced and separated, T'Challa had one request of Aurora in their post-marriage lives. You can get together with anyone you want, just not Logan. And right there is an admission that Aurora and Logan have a very deep personal bond. And following this, following this, following the uh, continued friendship and um, deep bond between Aurora and Logan, Standing the test of time, they finally got romantic in the pages of Wolverine and the X-Men. However, this romance was not meant to last because during their unfortunately cut short relationship, Wolverine lost his healing factor. And this was a really fascinating time because Wolverine was at the end of his rope. He was dying and Storm stuck with him for the majority of that time. However, as Logan began to become more desperate, as he began to get a little bit more reckless and was facing his mortality, Storm couldn't bear to see him essentially trying to fulfill a death wish. And so the two of them called off their relationship to support each other as friends and as allies. And ultimately, this ended with Wolverine dying. Now, the aftermath of Wolverine's death hit Storm almost harder than anyone because she was the one who was most recently romantically linked to him. And they had that decades-long, in publication history, uh, relationship of being friends, being allies, being confidants. And so um, she is ultimately, to deal with her grief, launched into space so that she doesn't hurt anyone with her storm powers. Just a beautifully written and uh, illustrated issue that I recommend you check out. I'll get into it in just a second. But this wasn't the end of the story for them because in the incredibly overblown yet somehow really awesome X of Swords or Ten of Swords event in the Krakoa era, we got a little inkling that things might not be done between these two. Because during one of the challenges of the uh, Ten of Swords tournament, Wolverine and Aurora were pitted against each other. And it was during this time that the two of them had a nice little evening drinking together, reminiscing, and it sparked enough you know, chatter that maybe something might happen here. And with her burning the bridge with T'Challa for stealing the sword that she would use as entry into the Ten of Swords tournament, I'm just saying there is room. There is room to put her and Wolverine back together. She is now the goddess of Mars, essentially ruling over Mars, ruling over Araco, and X-Men Red would be the perfect opportunity to put them back together. Do it, Al Ewing! I know you can! You can do this! Um, But yes, I absolutely love Storm and Wolverine together. I think that they balance each other out 
And every single time that they've either been romantically linked or there has been the inkling of them you know, building a romance. It always feels really natural. It doesn't ever feel forced. I like the two of them together. They bring out the best in each other. And if you want to see more of the two of them bringing out the best in each other, well, first of all, we have to check in. Is Storm dead? No, definitively. She is one of the few, if not the only member of the X-Men so far in the Krakoa era who has not died she got very close she got very close after being infected with a techno organic virus but during this uh ordeal she decided that instead of allowing the virus to claim her being you know put into the resurrection protocols she wanted to live her life to the fullest as one finite experience so i don't know if that means if she is ever killed she doesn't want to be brought back but she has been alive the entire time, and not many mutants in the Krakoa era can say the same. So, if you want to read more about her relationship with Logan, uh, you can see the beginning of their friendship in Giant Size X-Men number one. I would also recommend check out uh, Avengers vs. X-Men to see the... Um, the relationship between her and T'Challa end and the spark of her and Wolverine to begin. Uh, also check out Wolverine and the X-Men because it fucking rules. Wolverine and the X-Men is so good. You should check that book out. It is amazing. Uh, I would also check out Three Months to Die and Death of Wolverine. That was when Wolverine was sick, when he was dying. Uh, also check out uh, The Storm series by Greg Pak. Greg Pak is incredible. And his, his very short-lived Storm miniseries was awesome and does not get talked about enough i believe it was issue seven was the aftermath of, de of the death of wolverine which gets launched into space just a wonderfully crafted book and then finally uh, i would check out wolverine volume seven number seven this was the uh ten of swords issue where the two of them maybe rekindled their romance who knows but as it stands those are the ex-wives of wolverine thank you so much for joining me for this valentine's day edition of the podcast i had a great time and as i am signing off here i want to give a quick uh happy valentine's day to all of the couples all of the men and women who listen to this podcast and i want to give a very special valentine's wish to my love my light my ladybird uh sammy uh for those of you who don't know valentine's day is also our anniversary uh, we've been together for eight years as of this recording, and she is just incredible. Incredible woman who is constantly surprising me and making me proud to be her friend, to be her confidant, and to be just in her life. So, Sammy, thank you. I love you. I'm excited to spend Valentine's Day together with you. I'm excited to have spent eight years with you, and I'm excited to spend eight more and beyond. So that is going to do it for this special Valentine's Day edition of the podcast. But I know what you're thinking. I mentioned at the top, if this was supposed to be Wednesday, what's happening Wednesday? Well, ladies and gentlemen, there is a certain team that made a splash in a Super Bowl commercial. Uh, no confirmation that they're there, but it's them. Come on. That I have loved for a very long time and I want to talk about. So join me for the main podcast on Wednesday as I geek explain Marvel's Illuminati. See you Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and we will see you next time. And
Have to pay for the love. 